Hey everybody, before we get going today, I just wanted to let you know how much we appreciate your support here for the podcast. Both Bruce and I greatly appreciate your support of something to wrestle. Even after all these years, we're still having a lot of fun and we hope you are too. But behind the scenes, man, I'm still doing my first love. I'm helping people save money at savewithconrad.com. And that's really why I started podcasting to begin with, to help listeners nationwide, just like myself, wrestling fans who knew where they wanted to be, but they just weren't exactly sure how to get there. I think most of us have the same goals. We want our piece of the American dream, right? We want to own a home. We'd like to pay it off if possible, maybe one day a vacation home, but we certainly want to help our kids. We don't want them to be saddled with student loans. We don't want to be drowning in credit card debt. We just want the peace of mind of knowing that we've made the best decisions for our family. And that's what my family is dedicated to doing over at SaveWithConrad.com. Don't take my word for it. Check out our reviews, ConradReviews.com. Check out what my man Nicholas up in Lexington, South Carolina wrote. He gave us a five-star review and he says, Francis, Larry, which is my dad, and Holly were great to deal with and answered questions I didn't even know to ask. I tried to refinance over a year ago and wasn't able to. In that year, my debt only increased and I wanted to give it another shot and I'm so glad I did. Your team not only got me a lower interest rate, but saved me $800 a month in credit card debt while keeping the same monthly payment. My credit score has also jumped 92 points in less than two months. I highly recommend using SaveWithConrad.com for your refinance needs, or you can be an undercover hillbilly and keep overpaying. Well, I appreciate that. I don't want you to keep overpaying. I want you to keep more of your own money. Thanks for the five-star review, Nicholas. We greatly appreciate your support. And guys, we're licensed in more than 40 states. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. If we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. Punch it in your phone right now. You'll be glad you did. It's savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She booted. She booted. What a rib? No, you have a big There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. It, it, it. Was he there? I was there. Say something I don't give a <laughs> shit. <laughs> I ain't scared. I ain't scared to shut him. you, Bruce. I love Welcome to Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. 
This is Paul Bromwell. Bruce, how you doing this week? Where's Connie? Connie is with his lovely wife celebrating their anniversary this week, Bruce. Which which one? <laughs> their wedding anniversary. What year? No, which wife? Oh, oh. Is there something we should know? The only wife I know, Megan. Oh, okay. Oh, so my. Be, uh, she was okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Where'd they go? I believe they're uh, probably at, Morocco or are they, are they visiting uh, the prince and princess over there or just uh, who knows? I mean, he could Egypt? be anywhere. Knowing Conrad, he has houses, houses and lands far and wide. Mr. Thompson has built yeah. quite the empire. Oh yeah, no, and I I really like that he he got the helicopter to take him to his private plane because <laughs> it's almost fifty yards to get to the plane hangar. So he's got the <laughs> helipad there that he, he takes it over there. Yeah, nothing nothing wasted by God. Nope, I think he uses a coach bus now for bigger trips. He's not into that into into that whole Uber and all that good stuff either. It's the high life when you're the pod father, the mortgage king. But yeah, he's away, so you're stuck with me this week, man. Is that okay? Yeah, what are we doing this weekend? Wait, this what is we Ask doing? Bruce Anything. So this is the chance. No, you can't ask me anything. No? No, off limits. You're not taking any questions. Well, I'm not anything. Oh, well, we told him anything. Well, who's them? Pronouns, pal. I don't know what the hell you're talking the about. The great listeners of Something to Wrestle With. The ones that have supported you over the years by downloading and subscri subscribing well, to this. them I love. Okay, all right, okay. But yes, we opened up the floodgates and said, you, it's your turn. We're going to allow you to ask the man, Bruce Pritchard, anything you want this week. And man, they've let the questions, they flooded us in with tons of questions for you. So are you ready for this? Well, flood my happy ass in. Because I know you got a busy week coming up. You travel all the time, and we got some fun questions about when the hell you even sleep. So let's do it. You ready? Ready as I'm going to get. All right. First one comes to you from Lopez. He's a, a proud member of Ad Free Shows. He said, ask Bruce, which of the impersonations puts the most strain on your voice? And which ones is the harder to hold slash stay in character? What say you, Bruce? What's the hardest impersonations for you? Mm. Um, well, see, because they're not really impersonations, they're just kind of caricatures. So that's uh, different depending upon what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, gargling with razor bladed uh, Vince McMahon is probably the hardest to hold at times, but uh, you know, I just I, so that's the thing, I just kind of fall into them with the situation. Um, allows itself it's if you want to get funky like a monkey you know funky like a money well goddamn cheeseburger you order fucking double cheese double onion extra mayo no something else motherfucker um and then well you know just see just gotta fall into shit you just i don't think about it ah uh, so good any hot rod in there? Do you fall into him? I, I thought I heard you falling into him earlier before we hit the... No, 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 son. That's because you're hearing things. <laughs> None of them, though, make... You're it. a good little feller there, yeah. You go on with your little questions there, yeah. Okay, we answered that one. All right, we're good. Let's keep it going. Michael McClanahan is up next. He said on Eric's podcast, he is recently discussing... That's Eric Bischoff, by the way, pronoun. Oh, okay. Thank you for the clarification, because yes, I sir. didn't know. Eric. 
thought there, you know, there are probably more than one Eric that have podcasts. That's right. Only one that counts though. And that's Eric Bischoff by God, a good, close, dear, personal friend. He was discussing the concept of a show Bible. Does Bruce have any memories or recollections of the TNA show Bible? And what does he think of the overall concept? <laughs> I think that, uh, that a show Bible is extremely important. Very, uh, you know, for, for, for creative folks, man, sometimes it's like, yeah, you get real creative in the show Bible and you have an idea. It gives you somewhere to work, something to work toward. And you always need that. Uh, some people, call it a show Bible. Some people call them tent poles. Some people call them all kinds of different things, but, uh, it helps you. It helps with your creativity because you, you get creative all at once to try and think of long term story arcs that are necessary. However, it also has to be a living, breathing thing that, that can change on a whim and then something that, that you are allowed to, to futz with along the way. And it should never be something etched in stone that you're going to say, by God, I've got to do it this way. Because by the time you get to certain story points, you're going to find that that doesn't work anymore. And maybe you're going to go in and try to do something else. There you go. There's the story Bible concept, but you're right. I think flexibility has got to be the key. The ebbs and flows of the crowd themselves will tell you you have to make changes. So, all right, Michael Burgett is up next. He says, if you had the opportunity to have worked in a territory back in the day that you didn't have the chance to work for, which one would have you liked to have worked for and why? Oof. Crockett, AWA, Ooh. Memphis, all, oh, there's so many. If you, if you went uh, even further back, I think I would have really enjoyed working uh, with Roy Shires and probably Florida. Uh, so Roy Shires in San Francisco and Florida, Freddie Graham, just because both of those guys had reputations for being somewhat of a genius when it came to storytelling and finishes and just keeping their territories alive, no matter what their talent base was. Hmm. There you go. Pond Water Dave is up next. You know, old Pond Water used to go by. Super I know, Bowl. but I, I like Stephanie, his wife, better. Yeah, he, he he did tell me about that. He told me how you called her when she bought some merchandise back in the back in the day, sitting right at the table, right next to you, and you called her to thank her. Oh yeah, good oh, memory yeah. for them. Pond That's not the only reason I was calling her. By God, <laughs> <laughs> say because then it's just like my wife's name is Stephanie, and so I, I don't. In case one, you know, there you, go. you can't confuse that. I, Stephanie is Stephanie is Stephanie. So there you go. Did the Jeff Jarrett, sweet lady, sweet lady. Did Jeff Jarrett Hulk Hogan guitar shot in Japan prompt the WWE to sign Hogan to keep him from working with TNA? I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. So let's for a little bit of background here. Shortly after Hogan left WWE, uh, TNA wrestling began making overtures to Hogan culminating in Jeff Jarrett, who was the co-founder of the time of TNA and then the NWA champion launching an on-air attack of him in Japan. And this is in 2003. The attack was supposed to be a precursor for Hogan battling Jarrett for the title in their first three-hour pay-per-view. However, due to his reoccurring knee injury, he didn't appear for TNA. Uh, still, this incident has been shown several times on TNA broadcasts. Anyway, never works out for him in TNA. So Pondwater wants to know, did the WWE sign Hogan to keep him from TNA? I highly unlikely. I probably because Hogan called wanting to come back. Right. Not 
No. Okay. Quick and easy, quick and easy, dirty answer, pond water. No. Lindsay is up next. Has there ever been a fan or someone in the crowd who has gotten hurt from when action moves to the crowd or when someone has been thrown into a barricade? So there you go. Any, any stories that you can recall from a fan getting injured or someone getting hurt as a result of the action that's taken place in or outside? Unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately, things like that would happen. Uh, people sitting too close to the barricades and the barricades, uh, inadvertently going into them. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it can happen. Thankfully, not, not enough that you go back and go, okay, with the barricades that we have now, it, it's a, it's a solid wall that reduces possibility of that even happening. But, um, I'm sure, I'm sure it has through the years or someone that, that may have tripped as they go out, you know, the way that we had always done business for the most part, uh, back in the day was you had a lot of security and you had things tied down pretty much. There may have been something where people rushing to try to get a better view or, or trampling over somebody. And, uh, I remember one time in Houston for WrestleMania 17 and undertaker and I went through the crowd to go and bust up a triple H autograph signing and as we went through, the, we, we went from the back so no one would see us coming. And in the middle of it, when people started recognizing someone trampled uh, a kid, when I say trampled him, they knocked him down. Mm. And people were like stepping over and Taker moved everyone out of the way. And Taker picked this kid up and carried him all the way to the stage and, and put him over, uh, on the other side of the aisle, you know, to where he was safe, grabbed his dad and, uh, said, I'll send somebody back to get you in a minute and, uh, <laughs> went, took care of business. And then we had our security go again. The kid was perfectly fine. He was scared because he had been knocked down and got separated from his dad. And then Taker kind of just, uh, said hello to him, made sure he was okay and signed some things for him and all was good. But things like that happened. How do you banish high rates on car insurance? Simple. You switch to Geico during Geico Wing. <laughs> you know, everybody loves making that sound. I mean, let me do it again because I do it better than anybody else. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because October is Geico's favorite time of year. And Geico's been working even harder to cast out high rates on car insurance and craft just the right coverage for you and your family. But here's the thing you may not know about GEICO. They could also help you uncover more savings when you bundle the other things parked in your driveway. You know, like your beloved motorcycle, your boat, or even your home away from home, your RV. GEICO could even help you save on homeowners and renters insurance. So, Visit Geico.com today and you'll see firsthand that switching your insurance coverage doesn't always have to be scary. The only thing that will haunt your nightmares is seeing just how much you could have saved if you had switched sooner. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. So happy geico Ween. Yeah. And you think about too, all the years, even in the territory days, some, some back in the days in the eighties, they would have a piece of string as a barricade in some of those old venues. And you would hear the attacks that some of the crowd would get involved and hurt the wrestlers, Ole Anderson getting stabbed back in the eighties and things of that nature. So 
Not surprising that some of those things have happened over time. Well, I've been stabbed. I've been cut. Uh, I've been cut with a knife, uh, my leg, uh, not stabbed where there's any, um, and really when you looked at it, it was, it was superficial, it was scary as hell. But, uh, yeah, those things happen. There were times we used to have to fight our way back to the dressing room. You go back in the eighties, it was, uh, it was a free for all. Sure. Certainly glad the barricades are in place now to keep fans safe. And that's good. Lenny. Bakken is up next. You know, Lenny, I got to talk to Lenny a few weeks ago in Chicago. I hope you gave him some money. Uh, he's doing well. He's taking care of yours. I know that, right? Well, give him yours. <laughs> he told me he got to bring you a sandwich. Did he bring you a sandwich a couple months he ago? He brought me a show? Juicy Lucy. Oh, now there you go. That's right. a fan, buddy. And a sandwich. <laughs> Juicy Lucy is the sandwich. Okay. We don't want any of our listeners to be confused, but yeah, Lenny's a great guy. He has some fun questions for you, Bruce. He said, what do you typically do with your three minutes of free time every two weeks? And do you still schedule your sleep time? Hashtag ask Bruce. I wish I could schedule my sleep time. Uh, yeah, that's damn near. Um, I, I did one time for one of our karate tests. It was give the definition of impossible. What is the definition of impossible, Paul? Definition of impossible? Uh, putting me on the spot here. Uh, You're an educated man. I, I claim to be. I, I would think Okay, well, what's the definition of impossible? It's a word you probably use every day. That is impossible. Something that I can't do, I can't overcome. It's a challenge I cannot overcome. Wrong. Okay. Definition of impossible is nothing. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Nothing. Nothing is impossible. So then as I've gotten older, I've realized that scheduling time to sleep and actually being able to sleep during said scheduled time is impossible. So I have a new definition of it. There you go. I'm, I'm going to ask you, though. I want to find out because this is kind of a running joke on the show anymore. What time on average do you go to bed and what time do you get up? It is and tell us like and break it down for us. So you know we know we know the, the TV schedule. Mondays are all Fridays. Monday. What does your week look like if you could give us kind of an average week? Well, People I mean, are very for example, in this stuff. I for example, I mean, this past uh, well, uh, whatever. So I got home Saturday morning, Friday night, Saturday morning. I was in bed by five thirty a.m. Saturday morning, you were in bed at five thirty. Yeah. I got up at 10 and you go. And, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like normally, and there is no normal. So, but normally I'll be on, um, uh, on Monday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. I'm usually not in bed before like four thirty in the morning. Mm. And and would be about ten a.m. or no? That ten a.m. is a yeah. sleep in. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. Good for you, Bruce. I, I don't know how you do it on and off. And now, I'm, I'm, and I don't think it's. This I wish I could give my old answer of drugs. I don't even have that anymore. So yeah, right. just you just do it. A big coffee drinker. What do you do for caffeine? No. Nothing. No. A little diet Pepsi, a little diet Coke, and I'm good. Okay. Wow. 
And now you have the big trip to uh, Saudi Arabia. And so there you go. More 16-hour yeah. flights and good times there ahead as we record this. So this will be dropping Friday, and then you'll be on your way back and on to the next one. So, Bruce, thank you for making the time to do this show. As well. Oh, so we're done. All right. Hey, guys, <laughs> thank you for all your questions. Adam Arpin is up next. He said, if Bobby Heenan is the greatest all-around entertainer in wrestling, who is second? Is it Jerry Lawler who did everything Bobby did minus managing long-term or someone else? Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. All around entertainer. Well, Lawler, Lawler was great. I got, I got to say, man, uh, somebody like Randy Savage, that was always on that no matter what you put him in, he was really good at. And the other one would be, uh, the rock and John Cena. Hard to argue uh, either of those two guys, for sure. Uh, Rock just, my goodness. He's done it unlike anybody else, especially at the movies now. Black Adam, the preview for that movie just came out, and anything he touches turns to gold. So there you go, Adam Arpin. Hopefully you like that answer. Uh, Certainly can't argue against it. Joe, dangerously up next. I know this is before your time at WWE, but did you think Joey Morella accidentally counted to three in the first few moments of the Hogan Giant match at WrestleMania three? Watching it, yes. Watching it, I remember popping up and going, holy cow, they just uh, beat Hogan and and was intrigued by it. So watching it live, yep, sure did. The story there seemed to also be the camera angle. Do you think that was practiced at all? I hardly, probably not, but it was, it was done very well. There you go. Bruce thought it was uh three as well. So all of us uh, were fooled. WrestleMania three, Eric Lewis senior up next did WWF at the time go to the expense of building, breaking down and moving the APA offices for each show, or was it more cost effective to have the offices built into every venue you'd run? What? The APA. So you had Ron Simmons and JBL and they would do their little office backstage set. Right. Yeah. What was, did you guys set that up at every venue that you went to? Uh, yes. Or, okay. So there you I mean, go. It was a set. Yeah. I mean, it's very expensive and extensive set. Very high dollar. Very high dollar. Very difficult to carry your door around. But it was similar to what you would do if you traveled with the barbershop or the pit or you know, brother love sets, same type of thing. You would just set it up from, from venue to venue backstage. Yeah. Probably a little easier. Okay. Well, Eric Lewis senior, there you go. Hopefully the, we've answered your question on that one. They, they set it up everywhere. They went James O'Neill. He wants to know fantasy booking. Oh, this is a good one. It's Randy macho man, savage and rowdy, Roddy Piper. The match is going to be WrestleMania. Vince says, Bruce, the ball's in your court on this one. How would you book the lead up to this match? Who's the heel? Who's the face? Would you make this a regular one fall cage or something else? How do you get us there? Piper and Savage WrestleMania. Uh, part of that's easy. I mean, Piper would be your baby face. Randy would be your heel. And I think that, uh, in the end, you'd have 
Piper go over, but I could I could definitely see a very similar build to what Savage did with Steamboat and trying to take out Piper's vocal cords or his throat, hurting his throat in some way so that Roddy couldn't talk because God knows that would be a disaster. And, you know, both of those guys have very similar styles. Uh, both are natural heels anyway, but I think that Randy could be more of the asshole in that kind of a build. Hmm. And I like what you said there, as far as first thing, his strength, take away his strength, which is his mouth and build it all around that similar to the steamboat deal. So it's like, you've been doing this for a while or something, Bruce. No, you just came up yeah. with that like 30 seconds. Yeah. That's what I do. Okay. There you go, James. Sounds like a good match to me. I think I'd buy a ticket to it. Dave of the Dead, he comes up and says, Ask Bruce, does Vince have a favorite match that he could watch over and over? Like as a fan or just one and done onto the or is it on to the next for him? Is there a match you think Vince would like to watch over and over again? No, I th- I think Vince looks at things and Vince moves on. It's it's not anything that he would really want to go back and and watch uh, anything over and over again. I think that uh, Vince does things and then he moves on. Is there a match though, you think that stands out in Vince's memory is like, man, that was one of my or top of all time for our brand or just any, I don't know, just something that made just when you look at the only thing that even fits remotely fits that is Hogan Andre. Okay. Makes sense. If Pat Patterson, this comes to us from push wrath. His, his Twitter handle is at MCU doot, doot, doot. <laughs> if Pat Patterson, Dusty Rhodes, Paul Bosch, and Vince McMahon are maybe your biggest wrestling teachers, is there a specific lesson or nugget of information you could attach to each one that you still hold to this day? Pat Patterson, Dusty, Paul Bosch, and Vince McMahon. Wow. Um... Pat Patterson, what if? I credit Pat with uh, helping me to utilize those two little words into my vocabulary to be a little nicer and sometimes expressing my opinions is trying to look at the other side and say, what if hmm. we tried it this way? Um, Dusty was, if you... Basically, if you say it enough times and and you believe it, then you can almost will it uh, to happen and to be true, uh, whether it's bullshit or not. Um, I think Paul Bosch. Paul taught me a lot. I mean, Paul taught me the, 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 the money and longevity was on the other side, uh, not in the ring, but on the other side. And one thing that Paul always taught was give back to the community and, and take care of those that take care of you. And I think that the same thing could be said for Vince was to, to always make sure that uh, all sides are covered and that you've you've taken care of as many as you can uh, in the majority, but also take care of those that, that are not necessarily in the majority. 
I have a follow-up question to that, and that is, is there one thing you hear all four of them saying in unison? Wow. Um, tell stories. It's mm. one thing every one of them had in common. Tell stories. Tell good stories. But everything that you do, if you can't, you know... You have to be able to sell and you have to be able to tell stories because it, it is simply what we do. And if you yourself can't tell the story, then it's hard to write a story and get someone else to tell it for you. If you can't sell it to them and tell the story to engross your talent to be invested in it, to do it. So you tell stories. That's what we do. We tell stories. All right. Up next. Good question, by the way. Up next is James O'Neill. And he says, uh, I'm sorry, I asked James O'Neill. Jim Wagner said, what, whose idea was it to run a special 12 hour pay-per-view for WrestleMania 2000? Bruce did an interview and it was the first time I learned Bruce was brother love. Why did they not do it again? Is it because WrestleMania has become almost 12 hours already? Well, it was, oh God, it was absolutely dreadful. And <clears throat> we did it on <clears throat> like the free channel, the, the TV guide channel or whatever the hell it was. I think that's where we did it, but it was just painful because you had to, you had to fill that time with everything. Uh, we ran prepackaged spots to allow people to go to the bathroom and what have you, but we had, cut-ins at the fan fest and all over the place that just it was a nightmare to say the least i mean that's the nicest way i could put it it was an absolute nightmare then you go right into the show and there were there wasn't the staffing that we have now that you would have people that you could dedicate to it we were all doing everything so while trying to prepare for wrestlemania it's like oh hey by the way you got to go do this over here so it was a pain in the ass Man, if you're like me, you were glued to your set this past weekend. Football is back, baby. And uh, I actually got kicked off a little early. On Thursday night, I was glued to my set. But if you're like me, I like to get a little action going. Did you know 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose, though? I mean, I guess it's not really that surprising. The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention all the doggone experts who have more tools and more time and more access to information you really don't stand a chance until now introducing stat hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Now here's how it works. Stat hero shows you their lineups and then dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head to head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes, winner take all you have the advantage. Stat hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. And nobody else does that. And if I'm honest with you, I've had a lot of fun trash talking in the past, but I think this is the only way to do daily fantasy sports. These days you're in total control. Stat hero is DFS. The way it was meant to be one-on-one play stat hero now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash wrestle sign up for free. And right now you get three times back on your first play. They're giving you 300% match. That's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash wrestle. That's stathero.com slash wrestle. 
Restrictions apply. See stathero.com for details. There was, I don't know if you remember this or not, there was a best sign contest that month, and they picked 50 people to get WrestleMania for free. One would get a knock on the door, and they were flown to Anaheim that morning. Do you remember anything about that contest at all? Oh, my God, no. Guess who does? Our buddy, Efren. He remembers that his sign, and he remembers... Did Efren win? No, no, but his sign said, WrestleMania ticket costs $500. 16 WrestleManias with Howard Finkel equals priceless. And uh, the winner, though, Efren still remembers it to this day because you know that's how he works. I WWFN won these seats. That was the winning sign that was selected uh, to that contest. So there's a little nugget for for that WrestleMania and the, and the winner there. That's kind of a lame sign. Yeah, I WWFN won these seats, and they won the, the grand prize Anaheim trip to that WrestleMania. All right. Michael Ravel is up next. He says the Vince mankind Austin hospital scene is one of my all time favorites. How much fun did the boys and crew have filming this? And how amazing was that bedpan shot to Vince's head? I'm sure they had a lot of fun. I wasn't there for that. And, um, I think Vince Russo actually shot that with them, but it was, everybody kept coming back, seemed to have had an absolute blast because so much of it was in the moment. And Steve walking around, not knowing what the hell Steve's going to do is always a fun little uh, nugget. And they got in it, just did it and shot it. And it's not like you had a whole lot of takes to get it done. You just do it and move on. There you go. Michael Bassett wants to know what's one topic you haven't covered yet that you really want to cover. Anything that stands out in your mind that you would love to talk about on the show you haven't gotten to talk about yet. Hmm. God, I feel like I've talked about everything three times, uh, but you know, it's scary. Uh, so we had dinner last night with a friend of uh, my daughter's and she asked me, so how long have you been doing what you do? She had no idea what I did or anything about me. It was great. And I said, I'm about 48, going to be 49 years in March. It's like doing wow. the same thing. I said, yeah. Been doing it for 49 years. So when I look at it like that, I think it's probably a lot of topics. I, you know, I mentioned uh, we should do Mid-South. We should do my years of Mid-South. We should uh, probably pick and, and analyze something from TNA in particular. And I know that when we first started this, Conrad was like, oh, nobody knows anything about Houston wrestling. But Houston wrestling, when we did the topic, which – I took it away from him because I, I wouldn't let him prepare because he didn't have anything to prepare for. He didn't know anything about it. And I said, let's just talk. And it was one of our highest rated, most downloaded shows of all time still to this day. So I think it's the things that people wouldn't expect that they thought they'd want to hear about. And, you know, to mid South, I look at some of the, the fun that we had traveling with DiBiase. JR and I used to travel a lot together, man. We had a blast and it was it was just a fun, fun time. And I was a kid. I'm in my early 20s and just having a blast. So those formula, uh, what is it, uh, formative years, hopefully I said that right, are, are some of the times that I kind of look back on and, and the things that you learned that you thought were so stupid at the time 
that you use today and realize, okay, I've used this my whole life and this is why it's so important. So those kind of that kind of stuff that on the surface, like to me, okay, we can go back and visit a a pay-per-view or something like that. Okay. To me, that's just a, that's a promotion. That's a match. That's a card. The fun stuff is, is what you learn along the way and how you learn it and being around, uh, old timers and, and being a kid and going out to eat with them and they would order soup. And you know why they ordered soup? Because soup was always ready and it was hot. So they'd get fed, they'd get their soup immediately and you didn't have to wait for it. So they would, they would get something warm in their belly while they prepared the rest of their food. But the first thing they would do is, you know, what kind of soup do you have? Great. Bring me soup. Bring it to me right now, please. And and go from there. And, and just little quirks like that that you don't think of. And, yeah, how to get the better hotel room and, and just different things like that that are people don't get. I, uh, I love hearing that. And I was, I watched a bonus show with, uh, Jr. a month ago and it was just an old UWF show. You were talking mid South and they put your name up on the graphic Bruce Pritchard and they had a T in your name and you were down there on the ringside, but they were like, and Bruce Pritchard and you joined Jim Ross for the end of that show for commentary for UWF. Cause Michael Hayes was in the main event. Oh yeah. We're cooking with gasoline now, Jim. Oh, oh it's horrible. But listen, I was on for a total of like. 42 seconds. It was so fun though, to see you young Bruce Pritchard. And I thought, and you just said the car rides with Jim Ross to me, that's its own separate show car rides with Jim and Bruce. Oh my God. Yeah. I I just, and again, even the, the, the choice of hotels sometimes and, and all of it, there was a method to everyone's madness, uh, traveling with my brother in Tennessee and Mm. Alabama and just being around that, the different, the different territories and the different guys and the different, the different quirks, if you will, of different people. Um, just, but you got to learn something from every single thing you do. And again, going back, I'll go back to eating. Well, one of, uh, my friends, Chuck Sidlow, was a boss clown for Ringling Brothers, and Chuck came into Houston, and we brought him to the Rotary Club meeting because Paul Bosch was a big member of Rotary Club, and they served uh, salad, uh, chicken salad, tuna salad, and I think egg salad, like three scoops. It was disgusting. It was absolutely disgusting. I didn't eat. I, I like. I, I liked my tuna the way I made tuna: a little Miracle Whip, salt and pepper, and that's it. Um, and this had all this crap in it and I, I'd never eaten chicken salad in my life. Well, you know, and, uh, egg salad was the most disgusting thing on earth to me. And I'm, ne- I, to this day, I've never eaten egg salad, but Chuck got it. And Chuck looked at it. Chuck immediately started eating it. I go, man, I'm not going to eat that. And so he goes, he goes, well, give it to me. I said, oh, you didn't have it, man. Disgusting. He goes, no. He says, you have to understand. He goes, when you're on the road, you never know when your next meal is going to come. Because I don't know if I'm going to have time to get anything to eat for dinner tonight. So I'm going to eat as much as I can at lunch. And I really don't care if it's good, bad, or indifferent. It's free, so it's great. So I'm going to eat it all. 
So I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, Conrad just did a conversations with Conrad with Jerry Jarrett and all the people, there was all these comments online. Did you ask him how he makes his chicken salad? I guarantee you, we haven't seen part two yet. That question didn't come out, but I just thought it was funny how many people wanted to hear his chicken salad recipe. And that's all thanks to you. So there you go. (laughs) Uh, Well, he sure as hell gave it to a trained chef. Yeah. The walnuts and the grapes. There you go. Yeah. You uh, know, you chop them up and, and then you put some mayonnaise. Yeah. Love it. All right. Charlie Thrower is up next and he says, Mr. Pritchard, who is the French angel and how did you get his death mask? French angel is jumped by the name of Maurice Tillet. And Maurice Tillet was an attraction in the 50s and 60s that came over. He came over from France, as a matter of fact. Um, I believe he was about 6'1", 6'2", but he had a head the size of Andre the Giant. Uh, he had the same disease that Andre had that made his head um, grow. He didn't get the height that Andre had, but he had the other features. So if you looked at him, he had a very not normal <coughs> pardon me, a very thick body, um, solid, thick, large hands, and then this huge head and was an attraction. And they he was billed as the French angel. Um, not a very handsome man, but a very unique looking gentleman. So when he was on his deathbed and when he was not feeling well, there was a gentleman by the name of Bobby Manigoff, who was a good friend of his. And Bobby Manigoff would go and he would see Maurice in the hospital. And Bobby talked him into basically, let's take a mold of your head because you're such a unique specimen. This would be nice to, you know, to have to just continue your legacy. And Bobby Manigoff was able to get them to get in and they they made a mold of Maurice's head. And they had these these heads made uh, that were made out of wax. The actual mold was plaster. So the plaster cast was sent to Milo Steinborn. Milo Steinborn, father of Dickie Steinborn, Milo was an old-time strongman and wrestler, lived in Florida. And Milo uh, sent the cast of his death mask to Paul Bosch saying, Paul, this is something that you would really be interested in and that, that you would really like. And Paul took the cast and had more of those wax molds made. And then he had it plaster. I mean, not plastered. He had it bronzed. And I have the, the bronze one. There's, um, there's another one. I think, I think it's the, um, uh, the wax one, there's a wax one in the York Barbell Museum, and there's a gentleman in uh, Minnesota somewhere that also has a wax one of something that he found in a trash somewhere and kept it and then started doing his research. And he probably knows more about Maurice Tillet than anybody. Uh, but I have it. It was something that I, I remember when we got it. I remember when the the clay was delivered and, and we had this 
deal. I'm like, what the hell is this? And Paul's, ah, this is Maurice Tillet's death mask. They did this right before he died, blah, blah, blah. Tells me a story, Milo Steinborn. Um, and then also in the same thing, we got uh, Bobby Manigoff, not Bobby Manigoff, damn it, Primo Carnera's fists mm. as well that Paul had bronzed. Um, and then Paul got Andre's foot and Andre's forearm and hand bronzed all at the same time. Uh, Nick Bockwinkel somehow confiscated the uh, Andre stuff and sold it to a collector in Japan. But I got the uh, head from his widow, from Paul's widow, gave me Maurice Tillet head because she knew that, you know, the I was a part of that when it arrived. And later on when it got bronzed and it was a really, really cool, unique piece. Have you ever looked at your credit card statement and been shocked by the interest rate? Did you know you could actually roll all of your credit card debt into one monthly payment at a lower fixed rate? Lower your interest rate and save with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Rates start at 5.93% APR with idle pay and excellent credit. Plus the rate is fixed, so it'll never go up over the life of the loan. And you can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000 and there are absolutely no fees. You can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience. And that's exactly what they deliver. And right now, just for my listeners, you can apply now and get a special interest rate discount and save even more. Now, the only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash wrestle. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash wrestle. Of course, this is subject to credit approval. Rates range from 5.93% APR to 19.99% APR, and it includes a half a percent auto pay discount. The lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash wrestle for more information. That's lightstream.com slash wrestle. It says, uh, and as you were talking about him, I looked him up. It says in 1950, as to your point, the sculptor Lewis Link befriended Talay and made a series of plaster busts commemorating his career. One of the busts is in Chicago's International Museum of Surgical Science. Another is now in the personal collection of Bruce Pritchard. So there you go. And there's one in York, uh, Barbell in uh, Troy, New York. Nice. Well, there you go. There's the background, Charlie, uh, for Bruce on the French Angel and how he got the mask. C. Spartan is up next, Bruce. He says, well, working for Paul Bosch, did Bruce ever deal with Sam Mushnick? And if so, any thoughts? I always found Sam, along with Paul Bosch and Frank Tunney, interesting as promoters as they basically promoted only one city. Not a whole lot, uh, other than a couple of a couple of phone calls, but not. I never dealt with him. I never really had any ongoing correspondence with him or anything like that because it, it was funny. Paul was not a member of the NWA, and they didn't because Dallas and Fritz were members of the NWA, and Paul used them as a booking office, and Paul basically ran Houston unto itself and didn't use all of Dallas's angles in their TV. So Paul was a little ostracized, um, but they would let him book the champion from time to time. And it just, it wasn't a great relationship, but it certainly became a more of a strained relationship, especially after Sam stepped down as president. So uh, there was no, there was never really any, 
opportunity to have any kind of relationship or interaction with Mushnick other than a phone call here and there. But for the most part, our dealings with the NWA were usually strained Mm. in later years. All right. Joe dangerously is back and he says, did a wrestler ever get emotional before going through the curtain, knowing they're about to have a big win or loss? So how about that? Any breakdowns uh, that you witnessed prior to going through the curtain, knowing what was about to happen to them in the ring? Oh, I think all the time, uh, all the time. I think talent does get emotional in general because it's, it's, it is an emotional business and it's something that you're going out there you're putting, you're basically, you're telling people and giving them a piece of who you are as soon as you walk out that curtain. And once you're through the curtain, you're naked and all of that builds up and people will still talk about nerves and oh, you still get nervous every single time that I walk out on stage, I get nervous. Uh, if you don't, then you're not you're not doing it right, um, because you want to be the very best that you can be, and you want to be on top of it, and you're you're thinking about everything that can go wrong. And once you get out, and you're you're there, it still takes a while, at least for me, to to, to find that comfort zone. Um. But you just got to do it. But yeah, I, I mean, to this day, I still get nervous. And I think that everybody still gets emotional when they go out and they're going to perform in a big match. It's a big deal. Is there a moment, Bruce, as you were talking through that, that maybe stuck out or you, you kind of are recalling in your mind for you personally or someone, a performer that stands out more than others? I think for me personally, there were there were really three of them. And I think the first one was... Madison Square Garden, SummerSlam 88, the first SummerSlam, and the first time that I was ever doing live television uh, as Brother Love. And that was, and I was first time performing in the garden, first time doing a pay-per-view, first time being on live. And I was absolutely petrified. I was scared to death. I was 25 years old at that point. And uh, yeah. Uh, they'd made this special lighting treatment for me, which was unheard of in those days. Everybody else got the simple thing. Mine was going to be pink and this extravagant entrance and all this stuff. And I'm just thinking, oh, my God, you know, um, that, it was surreal to me. Uh, the second time was in the summit in, in Houston with Hulk Hogan. And I got to go out and work with Hulk and hometown being in the ring with the number one attraction in the world was, was absolutely surreal. And, and it was, um, a sold out summit that just what, you know, I'm pinching myself going, is this real? And, and then the last one was WrestleMania 17 going out in the gimmick battle Royal in front of 70,000 people in my hometown. Mm. So yeah, there, there's, there's quite a few, but those were, those were, uh, those are the ones that really stand out. And, and and even when you go back and you look at when uh, I broke down on stage uh, in, in Vegas at the StarCast when I came back to work here and it was my last uh, in front of people that I was doing something to wrestle with uh, live shows. And I broke down introducing Conrad. Yeah. And it just it just all of a sudden hit me. Mm. So, but when I would go out there and 
and in Australia, I, I was by myself and, um, you know, I would look at the advances and, and go, oh, shit. And we would get there and I did three shows and two out of three were uh, completely sold out. And the one that wasn't sold out maybe had 20 tickets shy of a sellout. And to me, I'm looking at them ahead of time before I'm going over them. Why haven't these sold? And then get there and the guy goes, oh, no, mate, it's great. And walking out, and it was just me uh, doing a one-man show, just me and a microphone. And those were some humbling, very emotional emotional shows. And, and if you don't get emotional, there's something wrong with you. I hear you. And, P- and Bruce, that's why people love hearing you, love your podcast, and uh, because you have passion. And it comes across and it comes across in your storytelling and by God, one day when you're done the rat race again and come back to all of us and you get those moments again with us, we can't wait to see that same emotion, uh, in your storytelling live on stage again, maybe one day. But, uh, as you were sitting there talking about those big moments and you better feel that way, you're doing it wrong and nobody cares about this, but my God, when I sat in that closet in Myrtle beach and Conrad said, you're going to strap the headphones on and record with Bruce Pritchard. That was my moment in time where the sweat start beads started forming on my forehead because, buddy, that's a that's a huge deal for what you've accomplished in this industry and what you've done in podcasting. So there you go. I'm sweating now. <sighs> I knew it was coming. Your three questions are over. <laughs> Real Adam W79 is up. Adam, he says, was a new championship belt made for each champion? I don't recall a championship belt not fit in perfectly around the waist of a champion. Was a real image. no, no, right back at no back in the day, no, they were all just they were all the same. And that's why the championship meant meant something. It was it was passed on, and that's why they had to have a special one made if Andre was ever going to win the belt. He wasn't going to exactly. Yep, Chris Parcella. He comes to us and he says uh, in his Twitter handle at Fat B Arthur three one five. Why does Austin get a pass for refusing to work with people? Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> gun, etc., and quitting the company rather than work with Lesnar, yet HBK and Triple H are all vilified for allegedly burying people. I don't know that he does get a pass, and I don't know that, you know, when you say that he, Steve, refused to work with people, I don't know that Steve ever refused to work with people. Steve didn't want to work with people for certain reasons, and I think that his reasons were valid in many respects. When it came to Jerry, didn't feel Jeff was over. And Russo wanted Jeff to come in because he was coming in from WCW. That all of a sudden he goes, he should just come in and, and work with Steve immediately. And Steve didn't feel, nor, nor by the way, did anyone else feel that Jeff was ready mm. for that. Just, to, just because you're coming from WCW, you didn't do anything there, but then you're coming in here and you're going to go right on top with the top guy. No. And Steve didn't feel that that was right on the Brock stuff. He felt that it was simply no build and that it was too soon to do it. Um, that's all. It's, it's not, you know, the narrative from those who aren't there, or who the, from those that have never actually done it uh, is one of, oh, he refused. No, you got to understand. Uh, did he take his ball and go home? Yes, he did. Was he right about that? No, he wasn't. When you look at why he did what he did, his reaction could have been something else and probably should have been different. However, 
at the same time, if you'd gone back and level heads and had he shown up to actually discuss those things instead of just leaving, then, you know, something else could have been, could have been done. And, and I don't, I don't agree with him on uh Lesnar. I do in, in theory. However, in that particular situation, it was one of those holy shit moments to let's shake things up and by God, you better watch or else you're going to miss something. This next question comes to us from Joshua Drown, and I'll preface it by saying we just talked about this guy a lot uh, on ad-free shows. We had a Zoom with David Manning, who you remember from World Class Championship Wrestling. He was Fritz von Erich, right, Fritz von Erich's right-hand man. And Gino Hernandez was the topic of conversation a lot last week on that Zoom. And Josh wants to know, who would Gino Hernandez feud with had he been alive and under contract with the WWF in the late 80s? Could you see him working with Savage, Steamboat, Kurt Henning, Bret Hart? I think they all would have been excellent fused. What say you, Bruce? Every one of them. I, first of all, I think that Gino Hernandez was a million-dollar man before there was a million-dollar man. And if Gino were to have gone to New York back in the day, then I think if Vince had that gimmick, Gino would have been the perfect guy to portray the million-dollar man because he was already doing all that stuff mm. in real life. So I think Gino would have been a great opponent for Hogan, for Warrior, for for anybody. Gino was a great spoil. All right. Knighton says, did Michael Hayes sing on Big Show's original theme? It sounds a, like, a lot like him. And with Hayes' history of music, that would make a lot of sense. Tell us all. Got did it. Michael Hayes sing not. Big Show's theme? Yeah, no, he didn't. Dave, Dave, Dave. Well, yeah, no, that wouldn't. No, Bad Street, Atlanta, GA, Duke, Duke, Bad Street in the OUSA, Duke, Duke, Bad Street, nasty and hot. The further down that rocky went, the better it got to do, 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 do. Yeah. How would it sound if he did sing the Big Show's theme? Yeah, fat fuck. What the fuck? Big show. Fuck him. Who he ever fucking be? Uh, they told me shoot with this shit. I'm just fucking shooting with it. Uh, Tommy Tucker is up next. How did the name Never brother? sold out Superdome when he was 12 years old. <laughs> I sold out Superdome when I was 12 years old. Dude, dude. Me and Buddy. Bam Bam was there too. He did all the work. Well, fuck. I, I talked him in the building. I didn't have to do no goddamn work. Make money for this fucking goddamn group. So that super done why it's four and a half. Uh, good. I love it. Do, Keep do, going. Do. Do, do, do. Tommy Tucker is up next. How did the name Brother Love come to be? Still my favorite podcast. Uh, you know, uh, pretty simple. It was, I had this, this thing in my head about being a televangelist of sorts and having it based, based on all those that were doing it from Jimmy Swagger, Jim Baker and Oral Roberts to the guy who was probably based on the most was Robert Tilton. And when you looked at everything, we, we didn't do religion. We did love and looking for a name, everybody, you know, was, it was brother, whatever the fuck. And, um, 
it's like, well, I should, I should be brother or something or other, or, you know, they got fathers and sisters and aunts and brother, uncles whatever. and all this other bullshit brother, you know, brother, brother. And, and, uh, some, well, first name should be brother, <laughs> first name, brother, last name, love. Do, do, do. Uh, but so since I, I didn't talk to did religion, I did love. Then it became brother love because I spread the good word. I spread the word of love. Give us a little bit more brother love there. I'm loving it. I'm loving. I don't it. do brother love. No, I, I know you I, don't. No, I, I don't do brother love. That's oh. just as bullshit. I do Robert Tilton. I'll do some Robert Tilton. Did you? He was the farting pastor, wasn't he? He was the farting pastor. He was fucking excellent, man. But Robert Tilton's the only guy that I ever sent money into, and I got one <laughs> one of those. I, I did. Did you really? I, I sent, love it. I swear to God, I did. I still have it. Oh my God! Uh, you gotta I got go to YouTube and look farting pastor up. Oh, dude, I got one of those leather-bound Bibles and a date book and and all kinds of schedule planner and all this shit. And a personal note from from old Bobby himself. I sent him him 20 bucks, and I got all that shit back. Wow. And then I was on a mailing list that would not stop, but it was worth it. You still have the the Bible and the the date book? Yes, I do. Oh, we might have to. Maybe we can autograph and give away the... The brother love. I have to find it somewhere, but I know I have it because I saw it when we packed. Wow, good for you. Yeah, yeah. The forty used to throw it away. Yeah, check it out on YouTube, Robert Tilton. That'll that'll give you a few laughs. Hey, everybody! Wayne Allen Root, the king of Vegas sports gambling and America's odds maker. And by the way, the media is the one who gave me those brand names. Thirty-six years, the best in the business, with my own star on the Vegas Walk of Stars with Frank Sinatra, Elvis, and Wayne Newton. Not too shabby. Former odds maker and NFL analyst for CNBC in those days was called Financial News Network. Today, it's called CNBC, and I was the best in the world at what I did on national TV for several years with CNBC. And now I bring all my expertise, winning point spread advice, picking winners, making you money, profitability. It's all about winning on NFL and college football and basketball and baseball and every sport you can name at VegasWinners.com. So far this season, I've started out on fire, 23-8 and eight in the NFL, unheard of, almost 80% winners, 12-1 and one with the biggest TV games, primetime, Thursday night, Monday night, Sunday night games, and 4-0 and oh with four games of the year in the last four weeks. I've now won 13 of my last 15 NFL Sundays, and every record I just quoted you is independently documented and monitored by an independent service, so you know you get honesty and credibility and integrity with every pick from Wayne Allen Root. So go to VegasWinners.com right now. Register. It takes less than a minute to register, and then you're off and running with $1,000 in free coupons. Yes, I'm giving you $1,000 in free winners to start you off at VegasWinners.com. Go check it out. Best sports handicapping site in the world, VegasWinners.com. If I'm not your cup of tea, I went out and found 21 of the greatest sports handicappers in the world, all 21 in a lineup at VegasWinners.com, giving you their best point spread winners every single day, seven days a week, VegasWinners.com. Squiggy Luigi is up with a question next. And he says... Was the new raw set in 1997 after the tour from Germany custom made? Who thought of that design? I have no idea. What was it? I think raw sets are us made it. I don't know. It was a raw set from 97 after the tour of Germany. Was it custom made? I don't have a 
I have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> oh, neither. Okay. Okay. Now you're getting in the dreck. Well, we're going to move on squiggy. Not sure if we helped you there, but, uh, Brandon G. Smith has a good question. The JR was like, go, go back, go back to Lenny squiggy and see what Laverne <laughs> Shirley is doing. How's that? How's that for a timely reference? That's a phrase. Uh, Fuck. Well, people have goddamn real fucking names. Get a real fucking name. How about, hey, hey, I got an idea. How about you try the one your mama and your daddy gave you? If you don't know who your daddy is, they probably they probably discuss what the fuck your name's going to be. You got a first one, you got a middle one, you got a last one. How about using them? Squiggly, Fernum fuck. What the fuck? You're talking here. Goddamn. Oh, I got a headache from laughing. This is great. Brandon G. Smith. Is it true that Eddie Guerrero versus Shawn Michaels was in the works for WrestleMania 22 prior to Eddie's passing? That is one match I would have loved to have seen. It was talked about. It was definitely talked about. And that was, <laughs> you know, sometimes when people talk about dream matches, that was one of those dream matches that I think would have been absolutely fantabulous. I agree. I mean, two guys still, and Michaels was at that point still getting it done in the ring and Eddie just amazing. So would have loved to seen it. It didn't happen, unfortunately, but again, dream match as Bruce said, Tyler is up next. What were the plans for Mr. America in 2002? Was there a plan for the end of the angle? There was, and it was, it was pretty much the, uh, the idea was to eventually shave Vince's head, have a hair versus mask match and shave Vince's head. But, uh, it was, look, it was all based on the midnight rider angle that dusty had done in Florida and Watts and everybody under the sun had done some version of it. And this was our version of it with Hogan and that eventually would bring Hogan back. There you go. So that was the plan. Shave the head well before the billionaire's angle. Francis Reyes is up next. What is the coolest item, Bruce, that you've ever seen in the WWE warehouse? Um, what stands out to you? I don't know. Uh, I think it's all pretty cool. I, I, I kind of like some of the really old crafted uh, championships that are in there. You go back and you look at Bruno's United States championship. Uh, that's pretty cool. But I think that overall it's, it's just history to me, to, to me in a lot of respects, it's, Oh, Hey, wow. I remember that. And in remember what a pain in the ass this was <laughs> to put up things like that. But, um, there's so much cool shit in there. It's hard to put your finger on one and just go, Hey, that's it. But it's, uh, it's all pretty neat. Mm. Maybe one day we'll get a physical hall of fame and some of us will get to see some of that cool shit. That would be awesome. Yeah. No, I'll tell you one of the things was Harley races, uh, red, white, and blue robe. Mm. That was, that was kind of cool. It's just stuff like that, that, that you, that you can point out and remember. Yeah. Neil Wagner, he comes out and says, ask Bruce, is there one? Yeah, see, that, that, that's a goddamn name your parents would give you. Right, Neil. 
Goddamn Neil Wagner. Neil Wagner. That fucking squiggly. <laughs> that goddamn fucking, you know, bazooka. <laughs> or jughead. It, it's a fucking name. Neil. What do you want, Neil? Now, now, now that we built you up, the question better be fucking good. Oh, here, Neil, the all-American Neil Wagner says, "Is ah oh, for fuck's sake? Is there? I got to add in this bullshit. Just goddamn, why can't you be Neil Wagner? Just fucking be Neil." Is there one show that Bruce thinks back and wishes he had a redo on? Whether it be a bad finish, just an off night. Uh, anything that you think back on as you sit there in your easy chair and think, man, I just wish I had a redo on that show. Pay-per-view. Not anymore. Nope. Not anymore. It's live TV. It was meant to happen. And by God, we meant it to happen. If it happened live. There you go. I, I, I used to think, oh my God. Oh shit. Wish we, no, fuck that. It's live. You move on. It was meant to happen. If it was live. Good point. Bobby 43076. Bobby. God damn. Am I supposed to call him Mr. 03478963? How about a goddamn name, Bobby? <laughs> Who would be your top five commentator teams of all time? Um, You know, I, I think uh, Vince and Jesse, Bobby and Gorilla, um, Hmm. I think that uh, Jr. and King were were good. Um, I like Michael and JBL. Michael Cole and JBL. Oh, and uh, and then Bruce Pritchard, Mike McGurk, and Pete Doherty. Not that last twenty six seconds of Jim Ross and Bruce Pritchard from UWF. God damn no, no. <laughs> I was fucking awful. Everybody uh, thinks it's so goddamn easy. It man, uh, it ain't easy. No. Uh, Pat McAfee seems to be crushing it. I'll tell you that right now. My goodness. Well, Mac, that's because McAfee's just out there and happens to have a microphone on. Yeah. He's not even working or thinking about it. He's just doing what he does. Yeah. Reacting energy. I, fucking magnificent. There you go. Here's a name for you, Bruce. Corey Cropper has a question. On a path. Hey, go ahead, Mr. Crapper. <laughs> Corey Cropper wants to know on a past episode. Sounds like a name of a fish you'd get in a goddamn fucking farm pond. Oh, it's catch day. I got me about four Corey Croppers. <laughs> you like those clean, sir? Fuck yes. I ain't going to clean them myself. Got to eat the motherfuckers. Uh. I want to eat them dirty. Freshly cropped. Uh, on a past episode, Corey wants to know, Bruce said he had a funny story involving the Undertaker's urn and Curtis Hughes, but never told the story. Can you tell it now? No. No, they, there was just a miss. So in the time that Curtis had the uh, urn, the now the urn was sealed. From day one, it was sealed. Okay. But when the urn came back from Curtis, there was something in it. Uh-oh. And it was still sealed. But there was something in it. I'll leave it at that. 
Use your imagination, kids, on that one. Use your imagination. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it, it and it wasn't ashes. Pooh Bear. It yeah, it wasn't ashes. <laughs> I mean, it might turn to ashes eventually, but who knows? All right. Dan Silifant is up next. What would Shawn Michaels' role have been if he was around during the invasion angle? Could it have stifled the rise of Kurt Angle? Uh, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, frankly, I think Kurt and Shawn had some some great matches and had a great story during their time. But I think, you know, Shawn was a little early for Shawn to come back already. And uh, I... <laughs> I don't know, man. Look, the invasion angle just from day one, again, it was it was perception of what people thought, you know, that they were getting and what was actually there to get. So it, it just was ill-conceived from day one. There's a lot of questions and talk about the invasion angle for something that really just sucked. Do, do, do you think that? I do, because it was... But it was... It also... Is the misunderstanding that they think, oh, well, you bought WCW, so you bought everything. You get everybody. You get everything. Not not realizing the business side of it and the fact that Time Warner had contracts separate with all of these people and that we just purchased the assets. We purchased certain assets of WCW. We didn't take any of the contracts. Right. and Because that, yeah. that was a separate deal. And everyone, all of you, between you and your buddy JR, you've all admitted it was just, hey, it fell flat. We tried. It just wasn't like the best thing, best angle that we should all continue to keep talking about. It just didn't work. And exactly. So next up is Something Clever. That's his name. He said, Bruce, any good stories of the... Well, fuck. Any good stories of the Scranton CYC? I grew up going there. It seems like almost every month for shows. I know you stopped going there, but it was a huge part of my childhood. Man, I wish that I could have experienced television at Scranton Catholic Youth Center. That's what he's talking about. He's talking in code, okay? Because you got some fucking kind of goddamn name. I don't even, I've done forgotten his fucking name because XYZBL. And. So Catholic Youth Center there in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Uh, I would have loved to have done TV there just for the historic part of it. But unfortunately, I never I never got to make it there. Mm. He says it was a huge part of his childhood. But yeah, you're right. It was uh, very well known back in the day. And uh, lots of memories for, for wrestling. Ben, this is a simple three-letter word, name, Ben. He says, is there anything Bruce hasn't accomplished yet in his life that he would still like to do? Any more items on that Bruce Pritchard bucket list? Retire. <laughs> Quit. Stop working. Not yet, but one day. Is there anything, Bruce? What about travel? Anything that you'd like to do in life that you haven't done yet? Big picture. <sighs> I don't know. Oh. I mean, I, I, I'd probably want to take my wife to, to Italy. Nice. I loved Italy. Um, and she'd never been to Hawaii, oh. I, but see, you got to understand. I travel for a living. Yeah. So the very last thing that I want to do when I think about a vacation is to get on a plane 
fly somewhere to stay in a hotel. It is the least appealing thing that I want to do. So that's not a vacation for me. A vacation for me is, first of all, if I could sleep and be in my house, in my own bed, in my own house with my dog, that's vacation. You know, recently I got to spend some time with uh, Bruce and Stephanie and Bruce kept talking about his people and what he means when he says his people is his family. Of course, you know, all about Kane and Amber and Stephanie, but also Dodger. That's right. His dog is part of the Pritchard family. He's even got a name Dodger Pritchard and Dodger Pritchard is enjoying solid gold. Did you know that 80% of the immune system is influenced by the gut? And that the best way to support our dogs fight against environmental allergies and boost their immune system is to make sure they get the proper diet and digestive health. Come on. Solid gold is passionate about gut health because a healthy digestive system positively impacts the immune system and really the overall wellness of our pets. And now solid gold's nutritional platform is inspired by their founding belief that higher quality food is the best way to impact our pets, mind, body, and spirit for over 45 years. Solid gold has revolutionized the holistic pet food category. And now they've got a recipe for any dog or cat's dietary needs, including healthy whole grain and grain free options, wet food supplements like sea meal and 100% human grade bone broth for dogs. Solid gold foods are different because they cleanse the digestive system with whole superfoods. They balance with living probiotics and they fuel with omega three and six fatty acids, supporting gut health and nourishing your pet inside and out right now to save 30% on select solid gold products, go to solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle. That's solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle to save 30% on select solid gold products. Remember solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle. Would you just like to binge watch a show, maybe order some pizza, stay? I mean, is it kind of that like home yes. style type of thing? Yeah. Yes. I'm with you. I don't want to leave. I don't want to get dressed. Yeah. Everything's it was like delivered. in the, it was like in the summers in, in tech, well, not even in the summer. Nah, just in Texas in general, I would just pool it until I actually had to go out and be around people. Yeah. Is go in the pool, maybe throw on some deodorant and cologne and go, but. Besides that, you didn't really need anything. I got wore a goddamn hat. But that sounds like a great, great time to me, Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. Home, home, just be home and relax and not have to do anything. Just veg out. Yes. All right. Good stuff. Ian Fitzpatrick says if Bruce had to be in a second season of Legends House, which other seven legends would he want to go in with him? Well, obviously, he wouldn't want to go in with any of them, but if you had to pick seven legends that you had to live with for a WWE show called legends house. Who are some of the guys or gals that you'd love to go into that house and live with you? Okay. Well, I would be that guy that would snap first. <laughs> That's what we would hope. Um, uh, that I would actually enjoy doing it with. I don't know. Just pitch us a really fun oh. show. Who would be in that house with you? Oh, combust. I can pitch a combustible one. Yeah, do both. One you would like and one that would just, just, it would just be insane TV. Just take, just take the fucking group of podcast people throw us in a house. Yes. You'd have three murders inside the first four hours. Jim Ross. Um, Eric. God, no. Oh, God. I'd, I'd kill my, no. I would kill myself first. (laughs) 
save everybody the Tony trouble. Shivani. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. No. Uh, um, but I guarantee none of them would want to be in a house with me. Um, Tony would hide in a room by himself with his dog. So he wouldn't mess with anybody. He's, he's a bat cave kind of guy. He just, he doesn't even hang out with his wife, Lois. So you'd be safe there. Yeah, no, he'd still be in the area. <laughs> he'd still be too close. <laughs> yeah, still be too close. Um, actually, I mean, but see, like Eric and I would get along. Eric would be fine. We're, we're so different in that we we get along. We're we're like complete opposites. So, what about you and Jay? Uh, Could you be bunk buddies, bunk room? No. Oh, come on. No, I, I couldn't. Would, and I, I tried. Lo- no, I know, but I would love it. I would love. I it. love Jim. Yeah, I, I just couldn't do it, and he couldn't do it. I would drive him nuts. I oh, know it'd it. be great. Yeah, entertainment wise for us fans. Yeah, um, but other than that, geez, man. who are some guys you could uh, live with? Could you live with your brother Tom Pritchard again? Oh no, no. I mean, we probably could, but it would be painful after the third day. Jerry Briscoe, uh, Briscoe, and I would have fun. JBL Bradshaw, yeah, Bradshaw would be fun. I've I've actually lived with him for, you know, days on end. How about Conrad? We get along. We're fine. Conrad. See, Conrad and I are like two old men. Okay. We're like we're like an old couple, and we just we're we're happy being in our shorts barefoot and watching TV, watch the same TV shows and tape them together and watch them together and make sure there's honey. What do you want to watch tonight? Oh, I don't care, dear. Whatever you'd like to watch. Make sure there's food and beverage around, and you're good. There's plenty of food and beverage, and we're good. Yeah, I like it. I mean, Conrad and I lived lived together two weeks out of the month for I don't know how long, and yeah, we'd be fine. Okay, let's see who else are wrestling legends. That'd be fun. Michael, yeah, Hay- what about Michael Hayes. Oh God, we yeah, we we'd clash. <laughs> well, just I'm, yeah, I'm a grumpy old fart, man. I. I I like things certain ways and just I don't like things when they're not certain ways. Are you like real particular about your bathroom too? Like where stuff yes. at the toilet paste, yes. the toothpaste. Yes. To- yeah. Yes. Put that shit back where it was. Is there water on the sink? There's no water on the sink, man. Okay. You wipe that shit down. Right. They better have flushed whoever was before you. Oh God, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and if you got like anything that you know, no, get rid of all that stuff. Right, for, nothing yeah. better be swirling when Bruce comes in. No, no, I don't want any sprinklies on the seat or anything like that. Nowhere, no. Don't leave your your bath towel, your wet bath towel, hanging either over the shower before. I don't care about that. Well, no, not in my way. No, okay, you can hang it up on a thing or whatever. I don't care about that. But don't leave dirty dishes in the sink for Bruce either. Yeah, I don't care about that. No, okay. Well, you're not. I'm not. I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do them. But, you're not yeah. doing the damn dishes. That's right. No, I'm not doing the dishes. <laughs> oh, this is interesting. I could talk about this all day. The Bruce Pritchard yeah. Legends House. That'd be fun. Yeah. No. Be scary. All right. Well, Ron. See, like Ron Simmons. I, I Ron Simmons would be okay. Oh, there's a name I didn't think of. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Have you spent some time with him uh, hanging out or? Yeah, hanging out, yeah. Okay. And it's like, I think Booker and I would kill each other after a while. Ah. Jerry Lawler? I love I love Booker. I, yeah, no. But Jerry would actually probably be fun. Yeah. But Jerry Jerry would be fun. Booker would be fun. Huh. 
But yeah. Who else you've been in the business with for third? Well, Vince. What about Vince? Oh, we'd hang each other. Yeah. No. Okay. He's out. Yeah. That'd be scary. Oh, back in the, oh, yeah. Let's see who else. All right. Well, there you go, boys and girls. I think that was fun. Just a fantasy book. Legends house. A good question. Ian Fitzpatrick. Thank you for that entertainment. If you think anybody else, Bruce, throw the name out there. We'll talk about it. Dan Potts is up next and he's talking about the Houston wrestling episode. And he said that you said Fritz von Eric was overrated. Why is that? And what did Bruce think of the Von Eric boys? Well, I, look, Fritz was, um, had a, had a German gimmick. Okay. You know, his brother did the whole German regalia yep. and as did Fritz early on. But then, you know, when Fritz came to Texas, he all of a sudden lost his German accent, just started talking with that Texas draw because he's from Texas. And he, I shouldn't think he was that great of a promo and his work was boring to me. Hmm. So I, I just didn't think he, he wasn't that good to me. Um, but obviously he was a very smart businessman and did well there in Dallas with, with what he did with world class. The kids uh, loved Carrie. Uh, Carrie was the star and absolutely tremendous. Uh, had David lived, I think David would have been the shining star. Um, David could outwork all of them. And, uh, you know, I've, I've gotten to know Kevin in later years. And Kevin's a nice guy, but, you know, that, that's about where it was. We never used them a lot in Texas, and I got to know Kerry in WWE. So I want to ask you, because, I, like I said, we just talked with David Manning, and you said um, not uh, not Kevin or Kerry, but uh, David could have been the shining star. How big do you think he could have been overall, though, really in wrestling? You think Flair and Hogan, could he have been to that level or that step down? Like, where would you, where could have you seen him if that tragedy didn't happen for David? I, I definitely think that, that David probably could have been an NWA champion and been one of those that could have traveled and been, been a draw. I think Dave could have been a draw wherever he went. Mm. And he proved that when he left Texas and went to Florida and, and did just that. All right. Just Scott is up next. He said, what did you think of the large North American heavyweight championship belt in mid South? So that really oh. big belt that was ahead of its time. And you're going to, by the way, you mentioned you want ahead of its time. <laughs> yeah. That's what he asked. It had no fucking time. It was horrible. It was ugly. It was disgusting. I, nobody could wear the damn thing. It was a dr absolute drizzling shit. I, I hated it. It was, I, I it was bigger it was than ugly. the big gold. It is. I've seen him one live and that thing is massive. I mean, yeah, it, it was ugly. It was disgusting. It just, um, yeah, not in a good way. Sorry, just Scott. He's not in on the mid South North American heavyweight championship, but speaking of mid South, I know that's one you want to do. And at some point soon, I saw it coming up here in the schedule. You and Conrad are going to talk fun mid South. So a little tease there for everybody that's coming soon. Up next, this comes to us from mad one e babe, e baby XO and light of the current conversations happening on Twitter. What are, in Bruce's opinions, the greatest wrestling venues of all time? Greatest wrestling. Sam used to call Sam Houston, Texas. 
was greatest. You know, the gardens in that conversation, I think that the um, Chicago, um, now it's all state arena, isn't it? What is it? Chicago. What the hell? No. Rosemont Horizon was out there. Rosemont Horizon. Thank you, Rosemont. Yeah. Um, It was wonderful. But yeah, the the uh, well, you, did you enjoy back I think in the, the day the old Boston, time, the Coliseum, Boston, huh? Garden, Boston Garden was that a fun one for you? Like, uh, no, it was disgusting. It okay. was so old. All right, the walls would sweat. It was brutal. The Cal, but Palace. you know, Cal Palace again. That was old. You know, when you, you, people look back fondly at some of these things, the Cal Palace was a shithole. Okay, the Sportatorium was a shithole. Right. Um, the, uh, you know, Boston garden was just a big hot box. They were, but they were historic because of what happened in them. Right. And, you know, for, for that, it, it was what it was. And you look at places like, like the Sam Houston Coliseum, at least it had air conditioning and it had dressing rooms and running, uh, hot water and things like that. So. It was, it was better than the sportatorium, right? You had like rats swimming around in their hot dog water. Yeah. All right. Stuart Walter is up next, and he says, "Where does Gary Hart? Wow, a lot of uh, some Texas stuff going on here. Where does Gary Hart rank in the all-time list of managers for you, Bruce? I think Gary is is definitely in the top five. I'd say Gary was probably like number two or three. Oh, Gary was a great manager. Paul Gary was a hell of a mind. Yeah. Talk about him a little bit because I don't think he gets a lot of a, a lot of discussion on a lot of podcasts anymore. But you're probably more familiar with him than anybody else. You know, Gary was one of those guys. Gary had done it all. Gary wrestled and Gary managed. Gary booked. Gary did everything and had a very unique way of looking at the business. But it was a logical way. And Gary came from a point of view of heat that heat drew. So that's how he usually booked uh, any territory that he worked in. And Gary also you know, was a big proponent of guys like Don Jardine, the spoiler, and um, – you know, I like the the Freebirds, Michael Hayes, and those guys. But Kabuki, Kabuki, <laughs> you're a warrior, or you're an errand boy. Um, but you know, Gary just was uh, just a different different cat, man. And he booked in in Atlanta and Florida. Gary booked everywhere and just always did well. Gary had his guys. He liked to like to bring with him, and and Jardine was one of those guys that that always came along with him. Kabuki was another one. Brody was one that came along with Gary a lot. And those bookers back in the day, they all had their crew that followed them around. Yeah, and he was probably true to the manager back then. Where if they were your manager, was he taking care of your flights, your travel, all that good stuff too? Was he one of those types of no. managers? No. Okay. No, not really. I don't know that. I don't know that any managers really did that back in the day. Oh, 
All right. I was always told Paul Ellering and Jim Cornette and those guys, they were always kind of that guy for their talent, but maybe not. Maybe Cornette did. Okay. Maybe Ellering did. All right. I like Gary Hart did. Okay. Well, and I like JJ Dillon did. Bobby Heenan sure as hell didn't. <laughs> I love that sound. Oh, that sound makes me smile. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify. The all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs resources once reserved for big business. So upstart startups and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. You know, I love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Like mine, Shopify powers over 1.7 million businesses from first sale to full scale. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. So go to shopify.com slash wrestle, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash wrestle. Remember, that's all lowercase. Do it right now. Shopify.com slash wrestle. Paul is up next. Great name. Paul's up. He says, was there ever backup plans every year in case the intended rubble winner accidentally got eliminated? So do you have a backup plan? Okay. You know, that's like saying, do you have a plan B? I always have a plan B. You know what my plan B is? Don't screw up plan A. Yeah. How about execute plan A? <laughs> yeah, it, it happened with uh, Cena and uh, Batista. And yeah, you, know, you, you, you work with it and you adjust. So you do what you have to do, but, um, yeah, guy says, well, I got eliminated. Well, no motherfucker. You didn't get eliminated. You just, you fucked yourself by going over when you weren't supposed to. So yeah, it's not like, oh my God, I got eliminated. No, you, you didn't. So yeah, you screwed something up. That's what happened. Exactly. Boom. Drew Landry is up next. In his Hall of Fame speech, Kurt Angle said he met with Vince after the 96 Olympics but couldn't come to an agreement. Was there any talk about bringing Kurt into WWE to replace the Patriot in 97 when Bret Hart was doing his anti-American gimmick? No. And the reason that, you know, and... Kurt came in and Kurt had his nice little metal around his neck and all that. And Kurt looked at it and says, well, you know, I can't lose. I'm an Olympic gold medalist. And I said, well, good luck with that. Hope that metal makes you a lot of money. So, um, <clears throat> that story to that, that's, that's just what it is. And, and, uh, like Kurt left shock. Like, how can they not sign an Olympic gold medalist? I'm the best in the world. Okay. Well, everybody's got to lose sometime. And he just lost out on some money. So there you go. 
Exactly. <laughs> but then he came in and once he, once it clicked, yeah. he came with the greatest of all time. Yep. Absolutely. Bruce, our buddy's back. Squiggy Luigi has another question. Oh, fucking. Who should play Bruce? Buy some Luigi and clams the other day. This is a fun one, though. I think you'll like this. Who should play Bruce in a movie made about his life? And number two, who would play Bruce's wife in the movie? Um, but best looking son. I don't know. God, um, I don't know. Seymour Hall. Okay, Jen- Jennifer Aston. Philip Philip Seymour. No, Jennifer Aniston could be my wife. He's no longer with him. And probably like a Chris Helmsworth or oh, Chris Hel- yeah, Brad Pitt or one of those would be. Brad Pitt or Chris Helmsworth and then Jennifer Aniston yeah. who you're picking as your wife. Yeah. I think Bruce Pritchard wants to play Bruce Pritchard if Jennifer Anderson's going to play his wife. Okay. <laughs> that works. Sold. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good stuff. Rob Taylor is up next. With hindsight, would Rick Rude have been a better pick for the WWF champion going into Mania 7 had he stayed and been on the, in the mix? He would have been there to bring Brett and Sean on for starters. So in hindsight, would Rick Rude have been a better pick for the WWF champion going into Mania 7 had he stayed? In no. Mania? No? Okay. No, and, and the reason being is I think that, you know, when you look at the times, you looked at everything where we were and what we had built at that point, to just take a take a U turn at that point, that was we, we were trying to take a calculated risk in Sergeant Slaughter, and it didn't pay off. But I don't know that you know taking a complete right turn and going somewhere else uh, would have worked at all. Got it. Todd Velasquez is up next and we're going to get everybody's questions in here. We're doing well here. No, we're not. Yeah, we are. We're on pace. We're working a good pace here, Bruce. And fortunately I'm looking down the list here. It looks like we're going to get them all in before the time you said, Hey, you know, this is what I have until I have to run off to Saudi Arabia. Todd Velasquez says, if you could go back and change one WrestleMania main event from the years you were with the company, there's a lot of uh, this fantasy and go back type stuff. And which would it be if you could change one WrestleMania main event from the years you were with the company, which would it be? Um, whatever year it was, McMahon in every corner. I think that that would have, uh, even though we had it, I think that would have benefited had you had everybody healthy to do, uh, another rock in Austin. Mm. Okay. Four Rockin' Austins. There we go. Mr. Breeze says, any good Mike McGurk stories? <laughs> no, you know, Mike, when you look at somebody uh, second generation, uh, Mike's not your typical second generation uh, talent that you look at. Uh, Mike was Leroy McGurk's daughter, and, and Mike did the ring crew. Mike did everything that there was to do in a male-dominated business at the time and held her own. And she was able to come in, and we used her for color commentary, but also used her for ring announcing. Um, absolutely wonderful person and a lot of fun to be around, a lot of fun to work with. Mm. I remember her from my childhood being the ring announcer, watching uh, wrestling on Saturday morning. So 
Uh, and again, didn't start, but you know, started the early days of, of wrestling in the territory. Uh, so there you go. Uh, next up is Adam. He said, I've read that the powers of pain were broken up because of the arrival of the Legion of doom. How true is this? They were broken up because I don't think that, you know, well, I don't think, I think they had run their course more than anything. And the initial comparisons, the Legion of doom definitely would have helped, would not have helped them either. So I think it was a combination of all the above. I thought that was good too. I mean, demolition. Everybody thought, oh, you know, Road Warriors, Demolition, which one of the two? But I feel like, and I want to hear your opinion on this, that they were still very unique, still very different from each other. I never got, you know, I never got the the Demolition comparison. And there are a lot of people that looked at the Road Warriors as cheap imitations of Demolition. Huh. So there were, were fans who were only fans of Demolition. And when Road Warriors came in, they saw them as imitations of demolition and to people that were road warrior fans, they saw demolition as cheap imitations of the road warriors. Um, to me, I didn't, they both wore face paint, but beyond that, um, they weren't two big body guys together and all that. And they were, they were different and unique in their own way. Right. Okay. Your mate, Tom, that's his name is up next. And he says, if Shawn Michaels was Mr. WrestleMania, who do you think could be Mr. Royal Rumble? Hmm. I'll tell you, Shawn could probably uh, hold that title as well for as many times as what he has done in that. So it's it's somewhat spectacular as well. Maybe Shawn holds both. Hmm. There you go. Aaron Sheik says, who are some wrestlers talent that are very thin skinned as it pertains to criticism from fans and Vince? God, that's probably too many to, to name too, but there, there were, you know, there, there were a lot that just saw themselves one way and Vince a lot of times would see them another way and that they didn't, if they went out and did something that didn't get over that, it was everyone else's fault instead of their own. So they thought that it wasn't necessarily them. It was, well, the, the audience just didn't get it. Like, well, yeah, that's the point. The audience didn't get it. The audience didn't buy it. So now we need to tweak what the hell we're doing. Uh, those are too many to name and, and, and just go, go down the list. And um, Randy Savage was very sensitive in that way a lot of times. Mm. Piper could be sensitive in that way a lot of times. I think anybody that cares is is sensitive to that. Um, some can let it roll off their shoulders. Some would harbor it. Early days, uh, Sean, prior to the second comeback, right? I think so. Yeah. To a certain point, yes. All right. Everything Pro Wrestling has a question. He said, what is one creative idea that you wished was given a chance on television that never got to be seen by any wrestling fan? Is there one idea that you kind of always thought, man, if that, I wonder what that could have been? I don't know. I mean, there, there's a gazillion of them. I, I'll tell you one that, you know, crazy that we threw out before WrestleMania 9 was for Dustin Rhodes and, and Hogan to have a program with Dusty lingering to finally get to, to Dusty and Hogan mm. that never saw the light of day. That would be fun at the eighties. I thought it would have been great. Yeah. I thought I loved that. Yeah. yeah. And what's that? I mean, do you remember what kind of kick was the kibosh? What killed that idea or who stopped that or said, nah, I just think that it was, it was probably Dustin's youth 
and and Hogan not really seeing the the draw of that with Dustin first. He saw it with Dusty. Okay. But I don't think that he he felt having Dustin involved would have helped that. Timing wasn't right for him and Dustin. Right. Yeah. Dave Parsons says, does Bruce think if the screw job never happens and Vince isn't forced to become an on-air character in 97, 98, would he have eventually become a character or just remained an announcer until he decided to stop doing that? I probably would have at that point probably remained as a play-by-play guy, but I think, you know, Vince would have eventually got himself off of the air. Especially too, you think going public, I'm sure his responsibility that, yeah that took a little bit of time yeah, yeah. <laughs> away from him so yes rob McAllister bell says ask bruce if scott steiner won the rumble in 93 as you pitched what would have been the wrestlemania 9 main event pitch for him as far as who he would face any idea he would have faced uh, he would have faced brett scott steiner Bret hart there you go wrestlemania yeah. 9 Wow. To go back and think what could have been. Exactly. Jeremy Priest, the executive producer, he says, with all the great years of something to wrestle, can you think of a few moments that were your favorites, whether it's from live shows or just some favorite episodes? Our last well, again, I always, yeah, I always go back to the Houston uh, episode just because it was a, a walk down memory lane that a lot of people didn't didn't know and or realize, uh, but going back in, in the radicals, those, those pivotal pip, yeah, boy, my, I'm adding all these syllables to words, the pivotal moments like the radicals episode that put us over the top to where all of a sudden they go, Oh, we've got a glitch in the system. Then came back and said, wait a minute, it's not 35,000 downloads. It's 385,000 downloads. And Oh, wait, no, it's more. Um, those were, were moments that were kind of like, wow, holy shit. Uh, but but just little things, trying to explain the box of gimmicks and trying to you know debunk a lot of the narrative that has been out there for so long because no one has ever debunked it and allowed people that just want to write and say whatever they want to write and say to go unchallenged. Not only that, chicken salad all your voices every like I think Bruce Pritchard just be, just all the characters and storytelling everything manifested itself through all these episodes of all the talent that you bring to the table we'll never fully understand and we got inside the mind of a creative guy that you normally wouldn't be able to see unless we can hear your stories and talk about the build and stuff so lots of great memories Bruce Ooh that's scary uh, thank you so much well listen that's going to wrap us up, Bruce. And I appreciate it. No time. more, no more questions, but you, you, you were great. You sat in, you hung in. We had all the questions you could ever want from squiggy and friends. You answered all of them. Well, damn George, you did a good job today. Oh, thank you. I can move my tassel over. <laughs> I graduated. No. Yeah. Don't, don't ever do that again. Okay. Well, listen, if you're a fan of podcasts or wrestling nostalgia in general, or looking to connect with others, fans like yourselves, adfreeshows.com is the place for you. Get all seven of Conrad Thompson's podcasts early and ad free and on video. Or just listen to mine. 
for as low as $9 a month. That's just 30 cents an episode. And if you're looking for even more, we've got tons of exclusive bonus content, live experiences with your favorite stars. I mentioned the David Manning Zoom that we did this week. We do those all the time. Ad-free shows is the community if you're a wrestling fan that you want to be a part of. So sign up today over at adfreeshows.com. One of these days when Bruce hangs up his creative pen and pencil and laptop and comes back to the fold full-time, man, I'm telling you, ad-free shows, he's going to be just telling stories and bonus shows. It's going to be amazing, right, Bruce? Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I wanted. Next up, Bruce, you guys are going to be discussing discussing memories from Mid-South Wrestling. I teased it. What do you think we're going to be talking about with that, Bruce? Any teasers? Well, I just think, you know, more than anything, it's an opportunity to kind of go back and reflect on a time that was a very, very impressionable time in my career with a lot of greats from uh, – you know, you name it, Ted DiBiase traveling with Ted and being friends, Dr. Death, the last time John Nord was seen for a long time. And, but anyway, that's a whole nother story. We'll have to tell that on it. Um, dealing with Bill Watson, Grizzly Smith and, uh, Terry Taylor and on down the line, Bill Dundee and everybody else in between. So it was, uh, quite the experience and quite a part of my life i'll never forget and learned a lot from all right well that's gonna wrap us up boys and girls for this week's something to wrestle hopefully enjoyed it for bruce pritchard i'm paul bromwell and this has been something to wrestle bruce pritchard no with bruce pritchard is it something to wrestle with bruce pritchard with bruce pritchard god bless america rock on be nice to people love everyone be positive Treat people nice. Even, that. even Levi. You know, Bruce, the other day I was watching my kid's soccer game and the mom yelled out, go Levi, go. And I thought, oh, that takes me back to when I recorded that one time with Bruce Pritchard and I was Levi for a few minutes. Who the hell's that? What, what are you looking at? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but I kind of wish I was sitting beside you. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.